Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 18th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And yes, we're only one week away from Thanksgiving. And I know you're all excited to have a little downtime. And, uh, you know, considering the last 18, 19 months or so, and uh, time to decompress and relax a bit. But until then, we are here to help you. Uh, and you need to keep your eye on your goals and your portfolio and your strategy and continue to execute each and every day, process new information that comes in, and make good, sound decisions with your money in order to build and protect your portfolio. And, of course, I want to answer your specific questions. So if you have any, give me a call, 888-99-CHART. And on today's program of podcasts, I'm going to use my mission statement or, or operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. When I say independent thinking, I mean, I'm not Kramer. I'm not banging bells and whistles. I'm not here uh, to tout the, the next greatest trade. Oftentimes, when you're seeing that in media, that is uh, a signal of a a bell at the top. Uh, and so uh, when you are looking for good investment ideas, oftentimes uh, it's ones that not a lot of people are talking about that has um, not as much hype around it. Okay. And so that's why I try to give you the down to earth approach, not the hype approach, which uh, you see so often out there. So whether uh, I'm talking about the market as a whole, I'm talking about an asset class, I'm talking about a strategy or a sector or a particular stock, I'm here to present all without bias, to give you the facts as I see them using my 20 plus years of investment experience to give you some perspective as well. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions, and you can interact with, with me right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. That number is the same, 888-99-CHART. Just leave your message, and we will get to your question on a future show. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, Duncan from New York. Again, thank you so much for everything. I got an email from you guys. You guys sent a free PDF saying value investing worksheet. 
I really appreciate that. That has helped me out. Quick question on this worksheet. You were explaining a couple of things in quantitative data. The first one says return on invested capital, ROIC. I understand that. Now, when I look at the metrics on, let's say, Fidelity or FinViz, I only see ROI. Is that the same thing, ROI and ROIC? And which is more important, return on equity or return on invested capital? Looking forward to the answer, and thank you so much for the valuable information. Bye. All right. Well, this goes to the heart of why it's difficult to uh, really do the research on your own without paying for some tools. Uh, and that's why I say when you're looking at a broker, the tools that they can give you free of charge uh, oftentimes is, is more important, especially in the day and age where uh, the the cost of trading is, is, is nothing. Okay, so that's first off. So finding good data is important. And then the difference between return on equity and return on invested capital are uh, as follows. Return on equity is calculating your return to shareholders based on the equity capital within uh, 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 the, the capital structure of a business uh, and a balance sheet, whereas return on invested capital takes into account debt and equity. So oftentimes, return on equity will be skewed because of the leverage, the amount of debt that a company has on its balance sheet. So to have a, to, to calculate a return on equity, you take the return on assets times its leverage. So if its return on assets are, are low, but it has high leverage, its return on equity can look very, very good. But the problem is, is when if it's a cyclical business and times are, are tough and that return on assets goes, say, negative, suddenly, or, or goes uh, you know, to zero, suddenly that return on equity disappears rather fast and it can go strongly the opposite direction okay so that's the issue with return on equity return on invested capital uh, calculates it using both debt and equity and so it's going to usually it's a lower number and it allows you to kind of filter out for that leverage factor and so if i'm going to pick one or the other i'm going to pick return on invested capital over return on equity because it takes into account all of the capital on its balance sheet, not just the equity. Hope that helps. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. How is Ethereum different than Bitcoin? Now, once upon a time, when Bitcoin went up, Ethereum went up, and when Bitcoin went down, Ethereum went down, but that's starting to change. The correlations are starting to change, and that's because there are differences in the use cases for the two. Uh, and I'll explain that in a little bit. I also want to touch on China. I wanted to get that till yesterday, but the the risks in China, they are a plenty, and uh, they have reared their ugly head. And this is a perfect example of just because you didn't feel the risk when you invested some into something, doesn't mean you didn't take the risk. A lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, I invested in that thing and it went well, and therefore that was a low risk investment, for example. Well, that's the case until it isn't. Uh, and for many years, Chinese investors or investors in China, let's say that, uh, were starting to were, thought 
it was everything was gravy and there was little risk to China. And they're starting to see the ugly side of investing in emerging markets. And then lastly, uh, a little bit of follow up to uh, our webinar today. Uh, and we're going to talk a bit about value stocks and what, uh, what type of environment value stocks operate best in. All right. Uh, so that's what's on my mind today, but let's look at the market right now. Let's, uh, we had, let me pull this up here. The S&P was up 15 points, about a third of 1%. The Russell, that was down 13 points. Uh, NYSE overall down 74 points, about mm, a third of a percent. So definitely a down day in the markets. I know you'll look at the NASDAQ, you'll look at the S&P, and th those will be green. But the underlying equity market, uh, the broad equity market, we had definitely had a modest down day today. Uh, and a lot will be, I think there'll be a reaction to what the Fed news on the new Fed chairman or a continuation of Fed Powell uh, coming up in the next week. I think that's going to be uh, probably the next market making move. Now we're heading into a quick break. Josh from Alabama, hang on, you'll be next. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888 chart. Look at the calendar. We are into November and on our way to Thanksgiving and then Christmas. But now you've got finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. So let's go talk to Josh in Alabama looking at Penn, Penn National Gaming. The owner looking to buy it. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I'm looking to buy Penn. Um, I noticed that it dropped fairly significantly recently. Mm -hmm. um, I, I saw that the earnings report wasn't great, and there were some accusations about the uh, regarding the Barstool Sports head, Dave Portnoy. Um, so I'm not really as concerned with the allegations, more, more looking for your advice on the actual earnings of the company and the future outlook. Whether, whether or not you think it's a good buy. Yeah, uh, I actually do think it's a good buy down here around the $50 level, 40 to $50 in that range. I think uh, that, that's a good area to, to, to pick it up. Um, you know, this is the perfect example. And you go back, you zoom out uh, on a weekly chart, and uh, you, you go back to the times when the, the Barstool Sport sports acquisition was announced and uh davy day trader early down in the pandemic and he was touting penn uh national gaming and all, all these new investors who had stimulus checks and Robinhood accounts and they were buying into this uh, stock and it was pushing the price dramatically higher pre-pandemic low was in the single digits and hit a high of 140 dollars earlier this year and had a strong reversal. And since that strong reversal, that is an indication where th there was a top and it's been trending lower since. And, uh, and when you have all these, th this hot money in, what that means is whenever that trend changes, the hot money typically rushes out first and it continues until all the hot money is gone. Um, and that's the big question is when will all the hot money leave? Those that uh, are now going to go chase some other 
hot story. This was a hot story in 2020. It's no longer a hot story anymore. And more and more of these Robinhood traders are going to continue to, uh, I think, divest it. So what I'm looking for, honestly, is, is that big capitulation day uh, that will indicate, hey, all the sellers are gone. Everybody who – all the weak hands are, are, are selling out of it. Um, but the underlying business, I think, is fine. Uh, regional gaming is doing well. Their business is doing well. Revenue's up 34% uh, year over year. I think Barstool Sports will stay relevant. It'll stay big. I think. Uh, I don't think Davey, Day Trader will be canceled. Day Portnoy. Uh, I think the, there's obviously going to be more talk about the, the this uh, these allegations, and uh, but I, I haven't seen any charges filed. So I think this will be a, a lot of a whole lot of nothing uh, in the end, uh, and Barstool Sports will remain an important driver of their uh, their, their revenue uh, and their online gaming, sports gaming. That's a big part of what Barstool is pushing, is pushing their fans to uh, bet on games, and that will directly benefit Penn. So uh, in this area, I do think is a, a good buy. But where that ultimate bottom is, you know, I'm not quite sure. It's probably somewhere in between $40 and $50 a share. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Emilio's in San Francisco looking at Cisco. How are you, sir? Nice to, to uh, talk to you. Yeah, nice to talk to you as well. Thanks for giving giving us a call. Uh, you're looking at Cisco. Is it after the drop you want to pick up more or, or do you own it? Yeah, correct. I wanted to know if you think it's, a, it's a, the outlook. What do you think? Well, there are certainly strong secular dynamics behind uh, Cisco. They make switches, routers, networking equipment, and their business suffered a bit during the pandemic, and it's uh, it's on a comeback. Um, but really, the the overall trend of the business hasn't really accelerated. It's accelerated slightly, I guess, this year versus last year. Maybe a six percent expected earnings increase, seven percent expected next year. So, still a very slow growing business. And that's to be expected. They did $13 billion in revenue last quarter. So it's a very large bit company, $226 billion market cap. Uh, it is now uh, around the 200-day moving average. And this this candle, the the, the, the candle it made today, yes, down $3, uh, about uh, what that 8% or so. But overall, it, traded, it closed at the high end of the day, uh, high volume. And so this is actually a pretty bullish candle despite being down so much. Now, typically, uh, I'm assuming this is an earn yeah, it looks like an earnings announcement. It usually takes 3 days for this to kind of settle out, so I might wait the full 3 days, so probably till, you know, late Monday, Tuesday, uh to for this to actually settle in at, at the, the a price where there's good support. Um but I like it. I like the the company, I like the cash flow. Uh, I do think it's modestly undervalued. Our value is closer to $60 a share. Now it's at 50 uh, three and change close uh, today. So, you know, 10 ish percent upside from here. So it's not drastically undervalued, but I like the company. I like the business. Uh, and the candle today on the chart was definitely bullish. Now we're off to a good start. My Invest Talk phone lines are open. You've got finance and investment questions, and I have unbiased answers for you. So join the conversation at 888 chart. Each day, 
Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Go talk to Bennett in Georgia looking at XLF. Hey, Justin. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, I was just looking at XLF because um, I see the financial sector is very undervalued right now, but I just noticed this ETF is kind of near the 52-week high, so I was just wondering, even if it's near that high, is it still a good time to get in, or should I wait a little bit longer? Well, you have to look at what would drive the financial sector higher, uh, and what what are there tailwinds or are there uh, headwinds uh, in regards to uh, the underlying health of the, the sector? Uh, and typically the best tailwind are higher interest rates. And so interest rates have been going up since uh, last summer, but they've also kind of been in this trading range uh, since March uh, on the 10-year at the high of uh, about 1.75, the low end around one point. One five today we're at about uh, one point five nine, so uh, that's that's the first question. Are interest rates going to head higher or lower? And then you have to think about what type of exposure do you want? Uh, if it's financials, do you want the broad exposure? Uh, the top holding in this is Berkshire Hathaway because of the weight in Geico uh, and and they're uh, they're mainly in the financial services industry. Second. Right behind it is J.P. Morgan, 11% of the portfolio, then Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, Charles Schwab, and American Express. Those are the top 10 holdings. So all very large cap uh, financial companies. Or do you want to go with something like a regional bank uh, ETF where you're going to get more more value, uh, uh, better able to – uh, grow because they're small. The large banks uh, have difficulty growing because of uh, regulation and, and just sheer size. And and I would argue you'd probably want a regional bank ETF over something like this. So we like this. It's in the cyclical value side of the market, which we like, and, and we're overweighting uh, in our portfolios. So just because it's near a 52-week high doesn't mean you shouldn't buy it. Uh, continue uh, continue to uh, plumb to new to new highs. So. Or, or or reach new highs. So I would look in this space, but in the regional banking ETF, uh, and I would look, I would be buying that uh, if you are in the camp that inflation will continue to go up uh, and interest rates will also continue to rise. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. How is Ethereum different than Bitcoin? And for new investors or new people to the space, it's important to understand the difference because the crypto space has been co-opted by speculators. And at the end of the day, it, the value that the crypto is going to create for society uh, is going to correlate long-term with the price. And the value that Ethereum and Bitcoin offer are pretty different. 
Now, both operate in the blockchain. Uh, we know that. But Ethereum is more of a platform, a platform where you can run things on top of it. So think of like I, most people have an iPhone or say Android and you have apps that you can go buy from the app, their app store, either Google, the Android app store or the iOS app store. And you're running those apps on the platform, on the operating system. And Ethereum is kind of uh, an operating system for in the crypto space. And so uh, there's a lot of trading volume, a lot of hype around both, but they fill different roles where it's Bitcoin is supposed to be a store of value, supposed to be a currency, but currency is more about uh, actually transacting for goods and services. And that's not really uh, what it is. And that's really, I think my biggest issue with Bitcoin is it's supposed to be a currency, but currencies uh, are, are meant to be transacted. And Bitcoin isn't really meant to be transacted. There's high uh, costs of transaction and slow transactions because of uh, blockchain bloat, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but it, it's basically been talked into being a store of value. And, and we'll see over time, whether that's actually going to be true or not. Um, but there are other ones. I mean, it's just because it's Bitcoin and Ethereum now doesn't mean uh, there aren't others out there, Solana and, and others that will also be good platforms. Just like iOS isn't the only platform for an app store, uh, there, there's Android and there's others uh, that are also viable, also good, have their own pros and cons. And that's really what it comes down to here is – they all have their own use case. They all have their own value that you, the end user is going to get from it. And that will ultimately, in the long run, determine the price of these quote-unquote assets. So I know it's an exciting space, and I do think uh, there's so much energy, there's so much adoption that is going to be – the crypto space is not going away. It, it, it may be a ton of hype. And that hype may dissipate, dissipate dramatically, just like the hype around tech stocks dissipated dramatically after 2000, the 2000 bust. But they didn't go away. They were just uh, focused on, uh, right-sized in their uh, valuation, uh, and then built upon from there. And I think that's what will happen in the crypto space. Now, on the next Invest Talk, this story, one high-profile investor says there's a misguided land rush in stocks right now. Is he correct? Steve will get to that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. What's up, guys? This is Josh from South Carolina. Uh, my question today was about Kinder Morgan. I believe the symbol is KMI. Looking at this thing as a medium to long-term natural gas play. See what you guys thought about that and whether or not the almost 6.5% dividend is sustainable. Thank you for all that you do. Um, look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. All right, looking at Kinder Morgan Inc. Now it used to be a massive limited partnership, but shedded that uh, a long time, a while ago. And this is a, a company that does transport natural gas and uh, oil around the country. It has, let's see, 
me look at the description again. It has a hundred thousand, sorry, ten thousand miles of oil and refined product pipelines and seventy thousand miles of U.S. natural gas pipelines. Now, here is my issue with it: is technically it just made a high, a lower high, uh, and it is below all the major moving averages. And earnings, while this year expected to increase a total of 50% from $0.88 last year to $1.32, well above 2019 levels, next year's earnings are only supposed to be $1.02. That's only modestly higher than 2019 levels. So what is the issue here with the business? And they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. And the long-term trend of the chart is down from its 2015 highs. So I just... Don't like this. Uh, don't say I don't like the company. It's fine. Um, but if you're looking in the space, you want you want exposure to natural gas transportation and storage services in the United States. There are better performers in this space, and that's really what I'd be looking for. I like I like where you're looking. I just don't think this is the, the one of the top names in this in in this uh, industry because of its weak relative performance, both on the chart uh, as well as the underlying fundamentals of the business and earnings projections going forward. Now, is the dividend sustainable? Well, their current cash dividend payout ratio is fifty six percent, fifty six percent. So, meaning they have the cash flow in order to pay out that dividend. The problem is is the debt. They have about $32 billion in long-term debt on their balance sheet, and it's a market cap of $36 billion. So a lot of debt, uh, good cash flow, but I just don't like that that debt profile and the fact that earnings are supposed to trend down next year. Uh, look for others within this space with a let, less debt ratio uh, and better cash flow metrics, even if their dividend might not be as strong. Thanks for the call. 888 chart 888 is how you get through and ask your question. And uh, we have about 20 minutes left in the show. Now, it wasn't very long ago when everyone was chasing the Chinese market and big investment opportunities. I know when I was graduating college and, and China was just being talked about as this great investment, new investment market. And the narrative revolved around the astonishing boom and growth of its economy and uh, its consumers that were moving away from the fields and into big cities, earning more money in factories and thus spending. Now, the central Chinese Communist Party has not been hesitant to meddle in the country's uh, markets and its economy and that can cut both ways. And this is not new for emerging markets. This happens in countries like Russia and Brazil and Argentina. Okay, so this is not uncommon. And for many years, investors were lulled to sleep in, in ignoring the risks in the Chinese stock market because, well, prices simply went higher. And central planning... Uh, brought large reforms that began in the late 70s. They loosened uh, restrictions uh, as they saw fit. And that was mainly good. But recently, that's turned to bad. Now, over the past two decades, its GDP grew slightly more than 13% per year over those 20 years. And over that time, its stock market ranked near the top performing ones in the emerging market sector. But recently, it took action over uh, 
over certain uh, parts of the market. And it was it's a crackdown on companies to uh, – basically mandated several public companies to become nonprofit in the education space. It, it meddled in uh, the domestic businesses to achieve their own political ambitions, which is not, once again, uncommon for emerging market authoritarian type countries. And this recent action by the Chinese Central Party were aimed at private companies, whereas before it was mainly focused on state-owned enterprises. And that suddenly has changed, okay? And that's really why you see such a drastic fall in many of the prices of the underlying stocks. You know, as before, what they did over the the previous uh, few decades, they were doing the opposite. They were privatizing a lot of companies, they were. Uh, they joined the World Trade Organization in the 90s. They expanded ownership of Chinese locally traded stocks uh, on their exchanges. And as of 10 years ago, their major businesses were oil companies and major banks. And today, before this recent fall, they were technology companies, consumer discretionary companies, communication companies, etc. But that has all changed. And so this is just a wake-up call for you to understand the broad risks, not just of short-term economic fluctuations, but geopolitical risks as well. The pandemic is a good example of that. A lot of people never thought a pandemic would be something that would derail our economy, derail our markets, but it did for a period of time. And so opening your eyes to all the potential risks is very important to help you understand the risk that you're taking in your overall portfolio. Now, it's a busy Thursday, but let's keep the momentum going and dip back into the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart Hi, Andrew from New Hampshire. I have a question for you about FleetCore Technologies. They're a fleet payment processing company, and their fundamentals seem pretty sound to me, but they've taken quite a bit of a dive in the last few weeks on their stock price and making the fundamentals look pretty interesting to me along with their rapid growth rate. Be interested in your opinion on the stock and whether you think this is a good buy point or not. Thanks. All right, looking at Fleet Core, let me just pull this up here real quick. Now, this is uh, they provide commercial payment solutions to businesses, merchants and consumers and payment networks. Their revenues continue to go up. Let me just take a deep dive here. All right. Food cards, corporate lodging discount cards. Interesting. Okay. So what this looks like is a lot of, uh, say, corporate spending cards uh, that people can use or, or uh, their, their uh, employees can use for things like travel, um, etc. And I think that's uh, really the, the issue here and why their business has uh, started to struggle, or at least the chart has started to struggle uh, dramatically. And I would really need to dig into this a, a lot more. I'm not seeing a whole lot of value here yet. I know it's down about 23% from its 52-week high. But 
clearly the recent earnings announcement has not inspired a lot of confidence in the market. And so when I see this strong of a downtrend, this quick turnaround, and it really, it really was rebounding nicely from its August lows above all the major moving averages as of uh, probably earnings uh, in, in late October. Uh, and that has reversed quickly from uh, 280 all the way down to $226 a share. So uh, I'm going to pass on this. I, I hate the technicals, uh, and I just don't see the I don't see the value here. I see the potential issues uh, with their business uh, and their payment network. So I'm passing on Fleetcore. Now, with the end of the year approaching, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company KPP Financial where we offer independent thinking and shared success. That is our philosophy, both on and off air. And how we do that is we implement unbiased guidance and practice parallel investing, meaning we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to reach out if you want to engage on a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message to investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we will swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from a listener in Tucson. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. Steve and Justin are fearless, so don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Art from Tucson. Thanks for the show. Certainly have learned a lot on how to invest my money rather than gamble with it, which is um, often encouraged, let's say, by the, the mainstream financial media. So before I learned that lesson, I bought a, um, a small stake in PaySafe, P-S-F-E. Just took a huge tumble today. Wondering whether I should hang on to it or just sell it and use it to offset some of my gains for the year, or if it's actually a good time to buy some more. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do with this stock. Thanks. Appreciate your input. All right. This one's interesting. This is PaySafe Limited, an integrated payment platform. It's Core purpose is to enable businesses and consumers to connect and transact seamlessly through capabilities in payment processing, digital wallet, online cash solutions. This was an IPO last year in July. And what's six months after July? Well, that would be – actually, no, sorry. It went, uh, it went IPO in October, early October. There we go. And about six months later in March, well – it uh, had a lower high and continued strongly down since then. Remember, uh, six months after an IPO is unlock period. You can start selling shares. And clearly, this was an IPO to dump shares on un, uh, unsuspecting investors that didn't know what they were looking at. And now it's gone from an IPO price around $10, went all the way up to uh, nearly 20 it had a lower high around uh, 16 in March, and now it's at $4 per share after a recent big dive. Um, I would move on. 
this is a company that isn't making any money. It hasn't made any money. Um, you know, it, it, clearly, once again, this is this is a lesson. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to learn about IPOs. Is that they put on a, a great face initially. They talk a big game. They talk a, a great story. They they spin a great story in order to get gr- a big high valuation. All for the insiders to dump shares to the unsuspecting average investor who doesn't really know what they're doing. Um, and PaySafe is the perfect example of that. So um, move on, take your losses, reallocate this money to something, to a, to a real business that earns real money, that isn't lever, doesn't levered up with a bunch of debt and can't produce uh, real, real cash flows. So uh, I'm definitely a sell on PaySafe. Now, every now and then, it's fun to play two in a row. So here comes a caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hello, Justin and Steve. My question is on ticker symbol MMM. That's 3M. I just want you guys to take this on this type of company, what the outlook is for it. Thank you so much. Have a great time. All right. This is 3M Company. And... I think everybody knows what 3M does. They make adhesives and, and all types of uh, industrial applications. 50% of the company's revenue comes from outside the Americas. So uh, very international. It has 60,000 plus products. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's a giant company. $103 billion market cap. Last quarter, they did about $8.9 billion in sales, up 7% year-over-year. Earnings supposed to be up 12% this year, 6% next year, 3.3% dividend. Uh, I, I like this. My issue is technically it definitely looks to be breaking down from a bear flag again after this recent um, the recent move down uh, earlier in the year. And so I, I just don't like the technicals. Our value is kind of where it's at now. Uh, around $180 a share. Now it's at 178 It's by 77 And that's really my issue. Good business. Uh, definitely on my watch list. However, the technicals are poor. Uh, and it's not undervalued yet. I need at least a 20% discount. So if you're talking about a 20% discount from 180 you're talking 145 Somewhere in that in that zone, that's where I'd be thinking about picking up 3M. Uh, or if the fundamentals started to uh, improve along with the chart, I would also love that. But right now, you have to follow the technicals. The technicals are poor, um, but it's an industrial. Uh, it's multinational. I like that. Uh, I think the strength of the dollar is probably hurting them a bit because of half of the revenue being denominated in, in other currencies. So that's that's the main issue. Okay, so uh, I like 3M. Just keep it on your watch list. About 145, I would love to pick it up. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here: is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 99 Chart. Your objective is to work hard. Plan well and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey there, Stephen Justin. This is Brad calling from Pennsylvania. I had a question about stock Ford, ticker symbol F. 
recently I bought this stock back in August, so I haven't had it very long, and I don't have a very large portfolio. But uh, it's since gone up to twenty, just under twenty dollars a share, and uh, I'm wondering if I should trim some of that and take some of the profit and re reinvest some of it to diversify my portfolio a little bit. Right now, it's taken up about eighteen percent of my portfolio. The only thing I'm one of the concerns I also have is because I've only held it for such a short time is the tax on it. Give me your thoughts, and I'd greatly appreciate it. I'd enjoy the show. Thanks. Bye. Well, I definitely trim it up here. The recent run has a lot to do with the Rivian IPO, which, jeez, uh, I mean, you're talking about – because Ford has uh, a stake in Rivian, and Rivian's uh, current value is even – Recent drop is 110 billion dollars, and they never they don't have a, a dime of, of revenue. Uh, they so you know I think you're you need to take a bit off the table here. The technicals are losing a bit of momentum. You just got a dividend, um, so I would and then just the underlying uh, earnings of Ford talking about two dollars earnings next year, but it's a very it's a very up and down business. And uh, there, uh, I, I think this is a time to be trimming your exposure to Ford, symbol F. Now let's squeeze in one more caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. I'm calling with a question about the book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street by uh, Burton Malkiel. And I had a question about uh, the chapter that has to do with technical analysis, um, chapter six. There's a lot of talk about, you know, different technical systems and, and basically the main reason that the author is kind of pointing to these systems not working is because of the transaction fees um, with trading equities. And since nowadays we don't really have a whole lot of transaction fees, I'm wondering if a lot of these approaches such as say the filter system would be something that is worth looking into. So I was wondering if you guys could maybe discuss that a little bit on the show. That would be wonderful. Thank you for all you guys do and take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Well, first let's address a random walk down Wall Street. I read it in college and I think it's, I think it's complete bunk. Uh, just go look at uh, 08 and what happened then. And uh, basically it's saying that all available information is known. So the markets are efficient. Well, clearly markets are more emotional uh, than efficient. And so I think the whole premise of a walk down Wall Street is wrong. Um, and then when it comes to technical analysis, you're right. It used to, there used to be a drag on performance for uh, traders and those that use technical analysis to get in and out of positions uh, because of commissions. Well, that's no longer really the case. Yes, there are some small, um, I guess you could call, spreads that Robinhood and the other brokers are making now by selling order flow and all that. And that's certainly true. And maybe you'll get a better fill in the past than you would have before. And so uh, those fees are, are maybe more hidden. Uh, but they're certainly a lot less than they used to be. And so uh, I think technical analysis definitely uh, works has its strengths. Let's say that has its strengths and uh, is a great toolkit to have, uh, especially if you're a short-term trader, a medium-term trader. Technicals oftentimes completely override uh, the fundamentals, especially with uh, money flow, uh, with indexing uh, being so automated today. Uh, there's so much money flow with the Reddit crowd and the uh, Robinhood traders that are chasing story stocks and oftentimes that can override any fundamental changes as well. Uh no long term earnings matter, cash flows matter. We we know that over a long period of time. 
And long, I say a long period, talking 20, you know, 15, 20 years. That's a long period of time. Uh, and so uh, I do think, though, if you are a short term trader, you can use technical analysis and it will be uh, a great tool for you uh, to make put, put the odds in your favor. OK, beyond just the, the fundamental analysis. Now, I want to quickly thank everybody who showed up to the webinar today. It was it was great. Uh, sorry, we can get to a ton of Q&A. We, we pushed through the, the full hour and then some. Uh, and we we appreciate all of you tuning in. We're going to do another one probably uh, early next year. And there will be another wealth webinar. So uh Stay tuned for that, but uh, we just got to figure out a new topic and, and a date for that, probably sometime late January, February, something like that. And uh, once again, if you didn't, if you registered and you did, were not able to attend, you will get a replay email sent to you as well. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads now with over 36 million. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. Steve and I thank everyone once again for participating in today's Wealth Webinar. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. 